The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz. Sponsored by our friends at the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty here in Washington, D.C. A program that cuts through the chaos and confusion in the culture today by talking to kingdom citizenship, bold biblical principles for a robust public Christian life. And now your host, Dr. Greg Seltz. Good day, good day, Washington, D.C., and friends of the program all around the country. I'm Greg Seltz. Welcome to Liberty Action Alert, where every week we try to cut through the noise and take on the issues, especially the public issues that matter to you, people of faith. Today on our program, we have a very special guest. You've probably seen him on television lately, and and actually that's not a good thing because the cases he's representing uh, should give us all pause. He's former Illinois legislator, now vice president, senior counsel of the Thomas More Society, Peter Breen. Welcome, Peter. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, again, as I just said, uh, I'd prefer that we didn't have to talk to you, but we do because you're you're representing, I think, two cases now. One of them is Mark Houck, and the other I just uh, saw was uh, Paul Vaughn. And these are these are so concerning to our church and to our people. And let me just uh, preface by saying, you know, the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty, I was sent to Washington, D.C. to represent our churches, our schools, our preschools, religious liberty, sanctity of life, because those are foundational to a civil society. And yet what we see right now is is real violence against pro-life clinics, desecrating clinics, churches. When I was in D.C. for the last election, I saw average people harassed on the street if they were of one political persuasion. Nobody gets arrested. Nobody goes to jail. And yet we have what you're facing right now. So my first question is this, you know, religious liberty protections are beautiful, but, you know, are they any good if the federal government can do with you as you please? And is that what's going on here? Well, and, and it's a very good question. The The issue is, though, I, I, I if you want to take a little broader perspective, okay. you know, our rights have, our, our the other side has always been trying to to curtail our rights. Uh, I mean, fr- from from early on, uh, I mean, you can go way, way back to the beginning of the church. And obviously, we were a persecuted minority then. So it's not like right. this is new for us as That's Christians. True. Yeah, I know. It, it really does help to kind of, you know, go back well, and, you know, think. Well, about let me just let me just jump point. in. You can keep that yeah. thought, too, because I was just saying people don't understand the church is is actually the only thing that can correct an out of control government. That's one of the reasons why these crazy governments want to subjugate the church. But go ahead. Sure. I mean, that that's why we have religious freedom in our constitution, because right. the, the church is, it's another one of those private uh, mediating uh, structures to, to, to really keep the state at bay. Mm-hmm. And so when, when we talk about some of the latest threats, uh, certainly they are new. Uh, they are uh, unique ways of trying to challenge us. I mean, you've got challenges to just uh, fundamental human understandings of sexuality and a biology. I mean, obviously, a- abortion is, has, for these last 50 plus years, been a threat and, and, a, and a challenge just to our understanding of the basics of human dignity, of who we are, uh, and our, our innate worth uh, as people. Uh, and so, yeah, and, and, but, but I mean, we've always had those challenges. We've always had those who treated hum- other people as, you know, just chattel or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this, though, I mean, it is certainly... Uh, this this abortion regime strikes against uh, our our historic uh, work, which was as soon as we realized about embryology, most every state in the country banned abortion. Uh, you know, they they said, look, we do not do this, and and it 
you know, at some point it was before quickening, but once they realized, hey, this is still a baby before, you know, there's still a baby in there. Right. They said, nope, we're not doing this at all until 1973 when the Supreme Court reversed course on us. And right. so, so the cases that we're looking at today, these are the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act cases. So they, right. they come out of this, uh, this law that was passed in 94. So uh, Bill Clinton was a president, the Democrats had the Congress, and uh, at that time, there had been a, a great movement uh, of rescues. We call them rescues in the pro-life movement, where folks who were drawing from the tradition of Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, where they would do peaceful sit-ins, they were doing that at abortion clinics and en masse. I mean, there would be hundreds, if not, you know, there'd be thousands of people potentially at one of these sit-ins, uh, very peaceful, but they would shut down the abortion clinic for the day uh, or for a few hours or what have you. Uh, and actually, just as a note, Dr. King said regularly he had gotten the idea for this from Mahatma Gandhi. Um, hmm. So what what Gandhi was able to achieve against the you know the great British Empire and it just through total peaceful means. Right. Uh, so we were doing that. Uh, and, and look, uh, was it against the law? Sure, because it's against the trespass law, what have you, you know, local ordinances. But uh, because the abortion side had control of Congress, they were able to pass this law that made it a federal crime. Now, uh, you know, up to six months for a first offense, and then you start getting up to 12 and 18 months for later offenses. And if you had violence involved, it could go up to 10 years. You know, wow. uh, uh, bodily injury was what they had said. So, and and that really, uh, also they allowed for a civil cause of action. So the abortion clinics could sue pro-lifers, get an injunction. And then if you violate the injunction, then you've committed contempt of court, and then you can go to jail for a long time. Wow. Uh, so that was it was a very effective mechanism by the other side to stop the rescues broadly. Uh, now, fast forward to today, um, you know, and I, I actually I mean, I could I give you a little more of a history lesson in terms of under the yeah. Obama administration, we fought this. OK, and I think it's a good thing uh, to, to look at when Obama DOJ came in for about the first year. We didn't know this. They were investigating, surveilling peaceful pro-life sidewalk counselors outside of the nation's largest abortion clinics. Wow. About a year or so into his term, they then brought suits, civil lawsuits, to get injunctions against the sidewalk counselors at, at all of our major abortion clinics. So, uh, but and how do we beat them? Because we did beat them. Clearly, we're still we're still sidewalk counseling here. Ten years plus later, uh, there was a big case in Denver where we at Thomas More Society were. You know, I was I was lead on that case as a relatively a much younger lawyer. You know, I had five DOJ lawyers out of Washington, and they were throwing everything at us. Wow. But we were able to beat them back uh, from the preliminary injunction phase, and then they they dropped that case. Our colleagues at Liberty Council uh, won a case down in Florida, and those two high-profile losses caused DOJ to get scared, and they went off because you know, the worst thing for them is to lose. So you, you've got to deliver a loss to them. Uh, and we had really little trouble second term of Obama uh, because we were able to strike back strongly in court and win. So here we are today. Mark Houck peaceful man, sidewalk counselor and uh, a prayer vigil participant at uh, he, he goes to both of the uh, the major abortion clinics in the city of Philadelphia. The particular incident here is outside of the Planned Parenthood. They do several thousand abortions a year, and it's in a very compact, tightly, uh, you know, very small part of this. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. One way streets. It, Philadelphia is this beautiful old city right. centuries. So, I mean, you you know, there's no, there's barely any parking anywhere. It's all very tight. Um, and, City and living uh, at it, its it best. Is, but, <laughs> but I mean, I, you know, I mean, I know Chicago very well, but yeah. I mean, this is, 
it's it's city living and you're sitting there going ben franklin might have been on this street so right, it's, right, it's right, got right. a real you know i mean you're sitting there you can almost envision the horse-drawn carts going down the <laughs> down the uh, the streets i mean it, so you get this wonderful historic setting and then this place of terrible evil uh, this planned parenthood there yeah. and so mark and uh, and this there was another gentleman an abortion escort uh, you know said to be 72 years old they would uh, you know mark would counsel uh, to women to Take them across the street. There's a pregnancy center literally across the street. Yeah, that's what I, I remember that. that there was that he yeah. was actually there saying, you know, we have resources. If you want to uh, change your mind, we can we can help. Right. But and, and so that was that's kind of the setting of the thing. OK. Uh, and you've got it. You've got a gentleman. It was Mr. L Mr. Bruce Love, who was 72 years old. He is a he's alleged to have been a, a, a an abortion escort for 30 years. Okay. So a guy who's been at this for a very long time, he has a reputation well known uh, for using a lot of profanity on the sidewalk. Uh, he'll direct that at, at pastors and priests. He'll direct it at anybody in his in his you know in his area. Uh, mm -hmm. He'll say other vulgar things, uh, sexual things, and the like. Well, on this day, October thirteenth, twenty twenty one, Mark had his twelve year old son with him. So they were down the sidewalk, away from Mr. Love, away from the gates of the Planned Parenthood. They were about 50 feet away down to the corner. Well, Mr. Love walks out, leaves leaves his post nearer to the gates of the Planned Parenthood and goes over and parks next to Mark's son, his 12-year-old son, and starts jawing with him. You know, wow. a sixth grader. Wow. 72-year-old man should know better than to do that. There were no patients around. There was no reason for Mr. Love to come over and engage Mark and his and his young son. Uh, altercation ensues. Uh, Mark tells him to go away. The guy and, and Mr. Love starts walking back. He, he he starts to go away, but then he turns around and then they have physical contact. Mr. Love uh, goes to the ground. We're told that he scraped his arm. That's the bodily injury that allegedly would get uh, Mark 10 years in a penitentiary. 10 years um, in a penitentiary. That's the thing, you know, bodily injury. So they have to allege, you know, I, I had another huh. face case in DC where they said, well, someone sprained an ankle. You're going, wait, wait, that's the difference between a six-month first offense and a 10-year federal felony. Wow. Uh, so so we have a couple issues here. Number one, 99% of the time, sidewalk counselors don't have issues on the sidewalk. Okay. But occasionally, you have a very aggressive abortion escort, and folks can get up in each other's grills. They can be in each other's personal space. You might be walking with a person that you are counseling, with, and then the abortion escort tries to get in your way. All of those things are just the the basics of everyday life uh, when you are, again, dealing with an aggressive abortion escort. None of that is a federal offense. There's right. no reason for the federal government to be involved. You're not trying to block an abortion clinic or stop people from doing abortions. Uh, and so this is a this is a step now that these charges on Mark sent a chill throughout the entire sidewalk counseling community across the country. Yeah. And even peaceful prayer people. I mean, look, you 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 might be um, there are plenty of folks that will pray right near the entrance to Planned Parenthood. Well, well, if the abortion escort gets up in you, you know, and starts trying to elbow you or you know, whatever, and you hip check them, you know, yeah. get out of my space, well, all of a sudden are you are you gonna be, you know, ten years 10 in a federal penitentiary? Yeah. Yeah. And then the so FBI raises is yeah, and the FBI. See, and on top of that, you're saying that no charges were brought. Local authorities said, "Hey, this was just." And first of all, this guy created the event. The the 72 year old he created this event, and yet somehow now Mark is the one responsible. No one brings any charges, and then suddenly, what? Ten months later, the FBI raids his home. Yeah, and and, and you know, I don't mean to grandstand. I, I mean I'm not grandstanding, but holding the floor a little too long, Craig. But no, the story is just so uh, it's so compelling. Well. 
Love, Mr. Love, then files, he tries to get the Philly DA to prosecute. Prosecutor won't touch it. Right. He then files a private criminal complaint. That's something you can do in Pennsylvania. A, a few states allow it. Well, and so that proceeds. And there's a, a continuance granted because Mr. Love doesn't show up to court. And then we go to the next court date. He doesn't show up again. And on that one, you know, our lawyer for Mark said, hey, this has got to be a must be tried. Because you know, you, you don't right. drag people into the court process and not well, uh, with some finality. You can't just keep dragging a guy back in. Well, they come in for the third time. The local DA, who I guess now with a private criminal complaint, they still work on the case somehow. The local yeah. DA says, uh, the, you know, the assistant district attorney says, "Oh, we want another continuance, judge." And the judge looks at it, says, "No, nah, dismissed." Throws it out. Okay. Um, and so that's where the matter should have ended. Right. And so that's what happened. Well, then in May, Mark is out there at the Planned Parenthood. He is sidewalk counseling, praying, and a federal agent walks up to him, unmarked, uh, as I understand it, hands him a target letter, which says, hey, there's a grand jury looking into you for a violation of the FACE Act, this Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act. And uh, it says in the letter, uh, we want to talk to your lawyer. So he calls us. Uh, our We have a senior former federal prosecutor, uh, you know, been 15 years putting very bad people away uh, down in Arizona in particular. So he reaches out, Matt Heffern, our guy, and uh, makes two phone calls, then sends a correspondence, sends a you know communication where he lays out the relevant law, said, hey, just three years ago, the Thomas More Society won a case in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania where there had been a couple of physical altercations between a sidewalk counselor and an abortion escort, but it wasn't related to, you know, they weren't trying to stop people from doing abortions or what have you. So that was held not to be a federal violation. Right. And then we, so that was part one of the letter. Part two was, hey, if you're going to charge him, even though you have no case, well, let us know, we will bring him in. So he'd send us a summons is the way you do it in the federal system. We get nothing back until September 23rd, when we get an email saying we have your client in custody. Wow. Uh, and you know, at that point, Mark was downtown in Philadelphia. He had been uh, shackled to a table in the marshal's office for four hours or so. We were finally able to get a lawyer into him uh, and and get him released that day on his own recognizance. Uh, so think about that. He was so dangerous that uh, they had to go out to his house and pick him up. And we can talk about that raid. You know, the FBI sent twenty plus federal agents, heavily armed with long guns, mm. ballistic shields, battering rams. They send them to this guy's house. Uh, poor Mark and his family. You know, they live they live out on kind of a farmhouse out in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And there were 15 law enforcement cars covering his lawn. As Ryan Marie, his wife, would tell it, uh, you you couldn't see a blade of grass. And you know, these guys are everywhere. Uh, they're pounding on the door. You know, Mark opens it at seven o'clock in the morning, and you know they get him out there, guns on him. You know, and then, you know, gun inside the home where his wife is there at the staircase holding back the children who are up at the top of the staircase, his seven children from 13 down to two. The kids are screaming and crying. Um, and, you know, they wouldn't even provide Ryan Marie the warrant at first. They said, we're taking him anyway. Finally, they finally give her the warrant. But this whole experience, absolutely outrageous and reckless, put put the Hauk family in exceptional danger. Well, they're treating uh, him like he's a terrorist. Right, right. I mean, drug lord, mafia boss. Right. I mean, you're trying to think, why in the world would you do this? And and this is the thing, because we would present him. And yeah, you, it, you know, we're we're not we're not just any fly by night law firm. And we had a distinguished former federal prosecutor working the case, going, We'll bring him in. There there isn't a need for a single federal agent to be pulled off of investigating actual crimes. 
you know, much less 20 plus. But here's the other thing. If they said, no, 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 we want to arrest him. They know exactly where he's going to be at the same time every Wednesday yeah. at the Planned Parenthood, the same place they handed him the target letter. Right. They could have sent two agents, flash a badge and take him in right then. Right. They didn't have to drive out, you know, a couple hours outside of Philadelphia to their little farmhouse. I mean, this, this, the whole thing stinks. And the Congress, I'm very heartened that the Congress has decided to get involved with this. Senator Chuck Grassley, senior, senior senator, you know, very well respected. He had, he and about 10 other senators had signed a letter uh, to, you know, saying, hey, what happened here? Some very particular questions for the attorney general. They did interviews of our attorneys and others to get some very detailed facts for the attorney general. So we're really... Um, I'm, I'm very heartened by the fact it looks like well, both the House well, and the Senate are coming after this. Let, well, let, and I want to get to that. So, but at this point, with Hauk and then Vaughn too, that another similar situation. What protections do they have? I mean, are are they? Is this? You said he's out on his own recognizance, so that's good news. So he's not uh, wasting away in a prison cell right now. But this is sending a chill. We have we have sidewalk clinics. We've just put a million dollar initiative together because we're a pro life church. Our people are feeling the same kinds of fears and. We're exact. We're telling them, don't be afraid. You have these protections. Um, go out there and peacefully do the things that God would have you do and care for people. But that this sends a whole different message to them, doesn't it? And and is this how do we push back on this? Is it is it first legally? Is that the the way it has to be, has to happen? Well, and, and legally is the way. Yes, that is absolutely the first thing. So the example from the Obama DOJ. That's why I shared that. We've got mm-hmm. to beat them in court. I will tell you, I mean, federal prosecutors have a 95 plus percent conviction rate. I mean, they don't lose normally when they bring these cases. So okay. if we are able in Philadelphia to beat them, uh, it would send a just a shockwave across the country and might, you know, hopefully keep send the Biden DOJ back. Stop uh, prosecuting these peaceful people in this yes. way. Yes. That's the hope. So that that's number one. And, and to that end, we have hired uh, for Mark the best criminal defense lawyer in Philadelphia. He's one of the best in the country. It's not cheap, but it's worth it since this is the first case. It is so prominent and it's drawn so much national attention. Um, And so we've, you know, we've actually set up a website, defendlifetoday.com, defendlifetoday.com to, uh, for folks to get updates on that particular case and to support it financially. Okay. But that's, that's step one, but you know, we're, and, and we, we bring our entire Thomas More society team, which has a lot of experience defending these face act cases over the decades. Uh, so we bring that together with the best criminal defense lawyer in Pennsylvania. I mean, we are doing given, you know, 110%, the best okay. possible chance, uh, because he is actually innocent of these charges. Well, so, it's incredible. I've I've dug into a little bit of the particulars, and and this is just so outrageous. You can't imagine that this is actually happening in a free society. And I guess that's maybe it goes to the Face Act because one of the things that you know in my work and in my studies, there's this this phrase called delegitimation, where it, it's kind of a tactic where you don't really debate issues, you don't really debate um, the particulars of one side or the other. You just delegitimate. You actually demonize the other side. It seems to me that the FACE Act did just that. I mean, because it, it almost criminalized peaceful protest in such a way that we don't even ask what did they do anymore. We just say, were they, were they there? Did they do it? They're like terrorists. 
you know, take care of them. And then that's how it's reported in the news. And so people say, oh, these people must have done terrible, terrible, terrible things. Well, then you find out that all he was doing there, standing there with his 12-year-old son, defending his son from an arrogant, and we've been involved in these kind of protests. The other side comes and says vile, vile things. It's almost like they're antagonizing, hoping you'll do something wrong. Well, should that FACE Act be revisited? I mean, is that something when we talk to senators and congressmen, we say, hey, folks, uh, it seems to me that the, this FACE Act now is criminalizing law-abiding citizens and somehow the other folks who block, they block the roads, they block businesses, they take over cities, they don't get charged with anything. Maybe we should relook at this. Is that the next kind of step too? I, I think that is that is a step. You know, the problem okay. we've run into, I mean, you you know, being in D.C., we're at a place as a country because of the filibuster rule in the Senate. You can almost never change a substantive law on a controversial point. Uh, there's really yeah. you just can't do it right now. So touching the face act or trying to reopen it to to at least narrow it a bit. We really, uh, you know, the, the the way you do it from the political side is investigate the abuses. And to some extent, then you are shaming the, the Department of Justice into uh, being more appropriate in their charging you know of using this act so if, yeah uh, the spirit I, of we, the i have clients that have actually blocked the abortion clinic doors hey it you know look it, sometimes the conduct does uh, it you know look it, it you does block warrant. the doors yeah you know what okay you did it so be yeah. it um and, and that's what civil disobedience is about you know you know that you are violating the law in some capacity but do we do we throw you in prison for 10 years yeah. uh, as if you have uh, committed a, a grave crime uh, you know you've shot somebody or or you know dealt fentanyl to people or something like that no yeah. of course not and and so that's really that that is probably your your immediate term really effective political uh, way to go at it but again the the other side is uh, th this this legal angle and hoping you know, like our, our case three years ago in Phil, you know, the Philadelphia, it's in the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, that that case three years ago established this precedent that, hey, the jockeying on the sidewalk and all that, that is not a face act violation. That's our legal work is really trying to cabin the, the you know, this this expansion they're trying to do of the face act. And so yeah. those, those are kind of the ways that you would we, that we would deal with it. I would say just in this next, say, six months to a year, that's where I would focus, folks. OK. Well, again, for them to, for our listeners to to uh, get a handle on this, obviously start praying about this, supporting this because this is a fundamental thing. I mean, I, I know how these folks work. They 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 try to get these test cases, and then if the test case happens, then they can railroad all over the country. Well, that this is a big one. This is one of those if we can stop the Huns at the gate here. Uh, it, this would actually be very, very helpful. Where would they go again for more information on this so that they can understand what the real issues are here? All right. So defendlifetoday.com is going to be a good place to go for this. And then, you know, you, you'd mentioned there's the other arrests related to the Nashville uh, issues. And, and look, we, we just we are going to uh, we're going to take them one at a time uh, and we are pushing back strongly. And you're seeing a great uh really rising up amongst folks who are uh, of people of faith, uh, pro-life Americans, you know, folks that are more conservative on things, or even just, you know, folks that don't like the government uh, taking 20 or 30 federal agents down on some, I'm you know, just good. a regular guy, at, you know, at his house and putting his kids and family in danger. Uh, mm -hmm. So, so we're, we're moving forward there. I have this dream though, that, you know, Mark, Mark will probably go to trial pretty quickly, you know, right after mm -hmm. the first of the year that we get a not guilty there you've got a pro-life Congress that brings Merrick Garland, the attorney general in front of them, you know, question him about why did they do this raid and why did they prosecute Mark? And I would love it 
if they'd bring in the Hauk family so that the attorney general could literally apologize to them yeah. for the harm that the U.S. government has done to that that poor family uh, and hopefully promise that they'll never do it again. Yeah. And the preciousness of life means that the government can't determine that there's a life not worth living uh, and then use its power to just uh, put people in these kind of boxes. And so to be people of life, that means even our enemies have purpose, even our enemies have uh, they're human beings and, and they have they, there's dignity there. We're fighting for these things because these are foundational to a civil society. These kinds of cases, they're the fence at the cliff. And we, we, we've got to defend that space so that we can at least have civil dialogues, even with people with whom we disagree. Well, thanks for your work so much, Peter. We pray God's success for you. And we are going to do whatever we can to be supportive of this. And uh, so thanks again for being with us today. Hey, thank you, Greg. Great to be here. Thanks for tuning in today. To get to know our LCRLDC work better, check out our website at lcrlfreedom.org. Till next time, God bless you always. I'm Greg Sells. Have a great week. You've been listening to Liberty Action Alert with Greg Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in Washington, D.C. This program has been brought to you by the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. 